600 years before Christ was born, the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk had a heated conversation with God, pouring out his complaints about the suffering and struggles of God's people. Israel had not recognized how far they had drifted away from God. So God gives clarification to the prophet. Look! Look at the proud! They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Paul quotes this verse several times in the New Testament, saying, The righteous will live by faith. Habakkuk teaches us what it means to live by real faith. Who hasn't wondered, what on earth is God doing? Some have given up on God and the church and the family of God because of suffering and pain, disappointment and unanswered prayers. Poor Habakkuk was furious because it seemed that the God of Israel was not behaving as a loving God. Lives are in danger, provision is lacking, and Habakkuk addresses his concerns over the fact that God will use the Babylonian Empire to execute judgment on Israel for their sins. Perhaps you can relate to Habakkuk in his complaints to God. Maybe you need to call out to God, where are you, God? What are you doing in this situation? What you're doing doesn't make sense, Lord. Habakkuk teaches us that we can come and pour our hearts out to God. We, like Habakkuk, need to learn that God is our Father and we could bring our confusion, our hurt, and our pain to Him. Ready? When I was growing up, most of the big retail stores, uh, like, does everybody remember when it was called Simpson Sears? Yes. Yeah, some of you remember that? Then it was called Sears, and now it's called nothing. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, then there was the Bay and Eaton's and uh, other, other big retail stores, but they always had uh, a, a complaint department. Does anybody remember that? You could go to the complaint department, and uh, I guess the complaints increased to a point where they decided they better change the name of that department to, to information and, uh, and then from there it went to customer care and they tried to put a positive spin on it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is things don't always work out the way you expect it to. Life doesn't always go the way you want it to. In fact, a lot of us uh, know what it's like to go before God with our complaints and tell God about the things that uh, should be done differently. I found a funny little cartoon. Well, I found it funny. Um, Here's, uh, here's the complaint department and here's the gratitude department. No, for, for, for most of us, we understand that as Christians, we ought to be a grateful people. We ought to be a people that know how to come before God and express gratitude for his goodness. In fact, that really is the mark of the believer. However, however, there are times when things do not turn out the way we expect. In fact, there's times when things are not the way we feel they should be. 
We feel that God is absent. God, how could you let this happen to me? How could you let this happen to my family? How could you, how could, how could, God, how could you just stand by and do nothing? And so we want to line up in the complaints department and tell God all about it. Now, there are times when it is appropriate to go to God and tell him what we're thinking. Do you know, the, there's all kinds of research. It's really quite fascinating. You can, you can look it up yourself. But there's all kinds of research about the importance of giving clients opportunity to express what's on their mind. So give people a forum to express their complaints, their dissatisfaction, whatever. And the reason or the logic behind it is that it maintains a relationship between the client and the store. If you cut clients off from expressing their, how they really feel about what's going on, what happens is that they just say, well, that's it. I'm going to boycott this place. I'm never coming back again. They don't want that. They'd rather, they'd rather go through the grueling process of listening to your complaints than not giving you a form for that at all. What is this about? It's about relationship. These, these marketers and these, these retail stores are brilliant because they know how to get you to keep coming back and they want to do everything that they can to build that relationship. Well, in case you haven't noticed it yet, that's exactly what Christianity is about. It's about relationship. And it's about relationship with God. And so God invites us to come to him with the things that are disturbing us, the things that are on our minds. And I'm going to give you some examples of that in just a few moments. But understand, there are times when the right thing to do is to go to God and complain and tell him what's bothering you, what's disturbing you. Well, that's really what Habakkuk is all about. It's about a, a, a prophet who lived 600 years, who functioned 600 years before Christ was born. He ministered to the people of Israel, and he, he, in this three-chapter book, a very brief book, but in this three-chapter book, we find Habakkuk coming to God with his complaints. And they're, they are, they're legitimate complaints. You know, it's not like, oh, God, I don't like the color of my hair, and how could you make me like this, and I don't like my shape, and I wish I had a better body. <laughs> that, those weren't the complaints. God, there's injustice on the streets. People are killing each other. God, where are you? And we're supposed to be your people. He had legitimate complaints. God, where are you? What are you doing? Habakkuk stands out among the prophets as one of the only ones or one of the few who actually challenged God, questioned God on the way that he works and the way that he functions, the things that he does. Very powerful. And some would say, well, how could he be so insolent? And why didn't God just send the thunderbolts from heaven and strike him dead? Some people have that view of God. I want you to know something today. God is, is a loving God who wants to, listen to this, wants to engage our brains, engage our minds. I always say when you come to our church, I do not want you to park your brain at the door. I want you to bring your brain in and engage with what I'm telling you. And I know that for some people, the things that I say makes them really angry. I know, because I, I have a complaint department. <laughs> I rarely have anybody come to the gratitude window, but lots, lots of complaints. But that's okay. 
My job is to stand before you and to preach the truth. And the Bible says that truth is an offense. Does everybody get that? The truth offends. The gospel offends. Jesus said that he would offend. He is the cornerstone, the cornerstone that that all the Jewish leaders were tripping on. They were stumbling on him. They didn't like him. Jesus said, don't think that I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. You're going you're to turn against each other because of what I'm teaching you. So I stand before you telling you the truth. I stand before you not just standing here giving you my opinions. Does everybody get that? It's staggering to me. Because when I started in the ministry, when a pastor stood up to preach, he was the anointed man of God standing up and giving a message from God. Today, people look at the preacher as a lecturer who's got his opinions. If I was standing before you just giving your opinions, I would recommend that you just stay in bed. Because as good as my opinions are, (laughs) it's not worth leaving your warm, cozy bed on Sunday morning. You're coming here to hear the truth, the truth that is probably going to offend you. Because the Bible tells me not to tell you what your itching ears want to hear. I don't want you going out of here thinking, oh my goodness, that was so good. I just enjoyed his joke so much that I just feel all ready to face the week. No. I'm here to challenge you with truth. To make you think about what God wants of you. And sometimes, quite frankly, it hurts. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes, man, it's just not what you really want to hear. You want, Pastor Alan, can you just, can you just give us something that makes us feel good? I'm going to tell you what makes you feel good. When you know the truth and you obey it, and then you're set free. That feels good. So here's Habakkuk coming to God with his questions challenging God on the way God is doing his job. Do you ever feel like doing that? God, you don't really know what you're doing. Do you need my help? I'll give you some ideas here. I'll be glad to give you, give you my opinion on how things should be run around here because God, clearly you don't know what you're doing. Some people have that approach to God. Let me read this to you. Habakkuk chapter one, verse, verses one to four. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. You ever feel like that? God's not listening. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence, and I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. There's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. That sounds like 2020, doesn't it? Hey, can I just remind everybody of something? There's nothing new under the sun. Men have always, men and women, in this age of PC, men and women have always been evil and done evil all the time. Pastor on that's just your opinion. No, it's in the Bible. You have to read it. We, that's what we do. We do evil. And it's always been that way. 
And it's for that reason that Jesus Christ came to this earth to send us out to spread the good news of his love and of hope and of truth, truth that sets people free. And so Habakkuk is really quite disturbed. God, where are you? What are you doing? Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. Everybody here today, myself included, has serious questions for God. Would you say amen to that? We all have serious questions. My prayer is that you're going to be encouraged to enter into a conversation with God. That today will be a changing point a change point in your life where you begin to have serious conversations with God. Because I can tell you right now that if you come to God with hard questions, he is not going to be intimidated by you. He's not going to say, oh, no, why is he asking me these hard questions? No, he will not be intimidated. And I'm going to tell you right off before we go any further, because in case you think I'm going to give you some kind of a magic formula that will answer all your questions from here on in, I'm going to tell you right now, you may not get all your answers. But you will learn exactly what God wants you to know. Do you hear that? You will learn exactly what God wants you to know. You may not have all the answers that you want, but God will make sure you know exactly what you need to know, not more and not less. So here's Habakkuk. Oh, how long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Every one of us is experiencing this. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. You can hear the desperation in his voice. He's disillusioned with God, maybe even, well, probably even angry. He's confused, he's dismayed, disappointed. And some of you may be at that exact place right now, or it's where you were, or it's something you're going to experience in the days ahead. Maybe you grew up on a very immature kind of Christianity that says that everything's going to be good and perfect all the time. Become a Christian and you will just smell roses or smell like roses more likely you're going to smell like what fertilizes the roses. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. And here's Habakkuk. God, where are you? Why is it? I know for many of you, this is really resonating with you. This is exactly where you're at. He's answering my prayers. Why isn't God helping me? Right now. God, why aren't you helping me with my marriage? Why aren't you helping me with my kids? Why aren't you helping me with my job? Why aren't you helping me with my health? Why aren't you helping me? Where are you? What on earth is going on, God? This is Habakkuk. And I'm going to tell you, frankly, I know of people who have given up on God. They've given up on church. They've given up on, on the family of God. They've they just, quit, quite, quite frankly, just threw in the towel. They said, I, I, can't, I don't want to do this anymore. It's all baloney. I don't like what God says. God's, a, God's against too many of the people that I'm for. Can I just be frank and honest with everybody here? I'm not trying to win anybody, anybody over here. I'm not trying to win you over to my side. I'm just telling you the truth. The great move right now in North America is to make church a place where you can invite unbelievers and keep them here uh, 
for as long as I want to be here without ever making them feel uncomfortable. That's not my job. I've heard pastors say, well, we have to be careful what we say because we don't want to turn anybody off and we don't want people to lose their faith. It's utter garbage. You just see Jesus saying to his disciples, now be careful what you say. Don't bring up hell, whatever you don't mention hell. You don't see Jesus doing that. He just comes out and here's all the information. And more than you ever asked for. And Jesus believed that what he was teaching was going to transform people. Jesus was not worried about offending anybody. In fact, he said, that's exactly what's going to happen. Whatever I say is going to offend you. Hey, I remember after my, this is going to blow you away, after my first year of Bible school, I got my very first copy of a New Living, no, not New Living, a New International Version. That was a new translation at that time back in the early 80s. And I remember distinctly sitting at my grandparents' kitchen table. They weren't living, they weren't there, they were away on vacation. But I remember sitting there and reading, does anybody know what the letters in red stand for? Those are the words of Jesus. I remember reading the letters in red and feeling myself feeling indignant and angry, feeling and, and, and I caught myself. I thought, wow, what's going on here? I, I, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting turned off against Jesus here. I'm, and I'm a first-year Bible school student. This isn't right. And I realized what was going on. Jesus Christ, by his spirit, was challenging the flesh in Alan Duncalf. That's the old nature, in case you don't know what the flesh is. I got lots of it. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about that sinful nature. Jesus, by his spirit, was challenging me, Alan Duncalf. That's what truth does. Truth picks you up, shakes you, and then puts you down. So how do you like that? <laughs> More, please. <laughs> it's tough stuff. Hey, can I just tell you something else? Those of you who are not believers, those of you who have not put your faith in Christ, and those who will come to our church who, have, who are not Christians yet, they're not stupid. They know they've come to a church. And they're going to hear things that are difficult to hear. I know people who have given their hearts to Jesus and have left us because they don't like our teaching on human sexuality. Because I don't believe that that's, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's fair. Look at, I can tell you there's a lot of things in the scripture that doesn't make sense to me. A lot of things that I don't think it's fair. But at the end of the day, it's what God says and what God says rules. And we do it. And as you mature in the faith, things begin to make sense. You begin to understand why does God say the things that he does. So, Habakkuk comes to God with his complaints, and then God answers Habakkuk. And God says, hey, Habakkuk, I heard your complaints. And he says this. This is, this is really good. Watch this. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. The Lord replied, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. Can we just stop there? Don't read anymore. Don't look. Just look at me. Do you know how many people have taken this verse and, and 
especially in charismatic settings, they use this verse to say, God's going to do great, wonderful things in our midst. Hey, you, you can't just peri, peri, cherry pick, peri, cherry pick <laughs> scriptures. You have to read them in the context. Look at the next verse. God says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. God's going to do great and amazing things. It's going to blow your mind, but it's not what you think. It's going to be difficult. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They're going to come, and they're going to be my rod of discipline. I'm going to discipline you, Israel, with the Babylonians. Wow. Can I just say this? Because this is, this is really a tough one. Because we think sometimes of the struggles that we go through and we think, oh, well, God, God allowed this to happen to us. You've, how many have heard that or, or you said that? God has allowed this because God, you know, God wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. This is very difficult. God's not just passively standing by. God is actively engaged in raising up the Babylonians to teach his people. I'm going to explain more of that and why God does that in just a moment, but understand this. This is not the answer that Habakkuk was looking for. Be careful, my friends, when you go to God with your questions because he may not tell you what you expect to hear or what you want to hear. It may be very, very difficult. He was looking to be consoled. This is the, the namby-pamby kind of Christianity of North America now. We come to God, and God's going to hold me and cradle me and, and stroke my head. Listen, God is a father, a loving father. And sometimes he does hug you, but sometimes he's got to discipline us. But we don't like that part of Christianity. We don't like that part of the Bible where God talks about his discipline. God just hug me and kiss me and hold me and pat me on the head and tell me I'm wonderful, tell me how great I am. And God, I want a trophy too because everybody else got a trophy. I need one too. He was looking for assurances. He's looking for God to say, don't worry, Habakkuk, I got it covered. Everything's going to be fine. No. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians who are cruel and violent people. Now, I've got to ask you, are you mature enough to hear the truth? Do you really want to hear this? Because God's answers are not always what we want to hear. In fact, my experience has been it's often not what I want to hear. But North American Christianity is Christianity light. You want to find real Christianity? Visit China, where Christians now are, again, being actively persecuted. My brother Inquan, one of our elders, sent me a picture. The, the ruler of, of China, the, his, his image now, his picture is now at the, at, at the altar, what you call the altar area of the church on the wall for all to see. Wow. 
we in, Christ, we in North America really got to think, think about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Pastor, please tell me all my dreams will come true. No, they won't. Because it's not in the Bible. There's lots of teachers and preachers now, in North America anyway, that will tell you, big, dream big, and God will give you the desires of your heart. God will give you all, all your dreams will come true. It's not in the Bible. And if you can find it, come bring it to me. Because I sure love to preach that. That's why the health and wealth and prosperity gospel caught on. Because essentially what these preachers were saying is, is the opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said you can't love God and money because you're going to hate one and love the other or vice versa. But the health and wealth and prosperity teachers are saying you can have it both. You can have God and money. And everybody's like, where can I sign up for this? I'm sending a check because I'm going to get 100 times back. This is a great church, a great religion. How, how do I belong to this? And then when it doesn't happen, it's like, I'm out of here. Habakkuk was the very first book that I preached from when I, when I started. In the, actually, I was in Bible school. I was so moved by the message of faith and you're going to see this over the next few weeks. I was so moved by the message of faith. I did a terrible job preaching that first message. But I can tell you for myself, it was fantastic. <laughs> because I discovered something about this loving God. Who doesn't give me everything I want. But gives me exactly what I need. Let the spirit of God speak. I got chills going down my legs right now. Habakkuk goes before God a second time, the second complaint. And Habakkuk, he's furious because it seems that the God of Israel is not the loving God that he thought God should be. He says, these Babylonians are way more wicked than we are. How could you raise them up, God? This doesn't make sense. They're far more wicked. Do you love them more than us? He's wrestling with this. He's asking questions. Hey, can I just remind everybody of something? As mature believers, this is what we do. We wrestle with the scripture. We wrestle with the Bible. We wrestle with truth. We fight with it. We try to understand it. We try to come to terms with it. I'm going to show you how to do that in just a moment. But understand this. You do have to ask God questions and you do have to wrestle with God and you do need to find answers. Some of the greatest books I've ever read are, are, uh, are books on apologetics. And I've always said, apologetics is a defense of the Christian faith, the reasons to believe. Uh, I've read a number of them by some of the greatest minds, professors at, at Cambridge University, uh, professors uh, at, at Oxford University, um, at Yale. Good, solid Christian men with brains just coming out of their ears. They got, they're so smart, so brilliant. Every one of them wrestled with the truth. And at the end of their wrestling, at the end of their asking questions, they come to the conclusion, oh yeah, this is real. Don't you dare listen to the lies of this world. 
Satan is the God of this world. Do you understand that? And he is aligning all the forces of hell against your brains to make you believe that God is not loving, that God doesn't care about you, that God's holding back on you. But guess what? That's exactly what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. It's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve. God's holding back on you. Don't you dare believe that nonsense. Do what Habakkuk does. Get out your Bible, get on your knees, start praying, start wrestling with God, start looking for answers. And I'm telling you, God will answer you. You might not get all the answers you're looking for, but you're gonna know exactly what he wants you to know. And by the way, today we're talking about Habakkuk's complaints. Next week we're going to talk about clarifications from God. So you don't want to miss this. So here's Habakkuk teaching us how to wrestle with God. Can I just remind you? If you know your, if you know your Old Testament, you know that all the great men and women in the Old Testament, they all wrestled with God. They were not afraid to ask God questions. Abraham, he questioned God. God, God told him, I'm, I'm coming to kill the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to wipe them out. The wickedness, the evil is, is gone now to places that I can't let it go any further. I've got to wipe them out. And Abraham says, hold on a minute here, because Abraham now suddenly thinks he's more righteous and fairer than God. Don't we do that? What kind of a loving God would do that? God, I've got to clear something up here. You need some lessons from me on righteousness and kindness and mercy. Abraham's not afraid to ask God the tough questions. I haven't got time to, to preach on Abraham this morning. You can do that yourself. Go look it up. But he asks God, are you going to destroy this, this, these cities if there's righteous people in these cities? Then there's Jacob. He wrestled with God. He asked God his name. He wouldn't let God go until God blessed him and touched him. Read it. Moses, he came to Pharaoh and he told Pharaoh that, that God wants Pharaoh to let, let the children of Israel go. And what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh doubles down on the Israelites, makes their life absolutely miserable. You make your bricks now without straw and just keep going around the clock. Just keep working until you, until you drop dead. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I sent, went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on his people, and you have not rescued your people at all. God's calling us to a robust, relationship with him where we come and present to him our case ask him the hard questions and i'm telling you he's going to answer he's going to let you know exactly what you need to know and then there's joshua god says to joshua at the beginning of the chapter be strong and of good courage be not afraid for the lord thy god is with thee wherever they go and so he goes Goes to Jericho, conquers Jericho. He's all excited. He sends people off to I, and you know the story. If you've read your Bible like I told you to, the Israelites are utterly defeated. Joshua doesn't know why, but it says in Joshua 7, 7, then Joshua cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? 
If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the river. And you know the story, Akesh, he, he took some of the loot, some, some of the, the, the loot from, from the attack. And God said, don't do it. And so God used that to remind Joshua and all of Israel that you better obey him or else. Did your dad say that to you when you are little? Obey or else. And, and exactly what or else is, we all know what it is, right? <laughs> we all know what that means. Or else. Got it. Three times Paul asked God, please take this thorn out of my flesh. What the thorn is exactly, we don't know. But God, I can't take it, I can't take it, I can't take it. Okay, God, I'll take it. Why do I have this thorn? Well, God did answer that question to keep Paul humble because Paul was getting so much revelation from God. God was a, was, well, God knew Paul. He knew that Paul would become very proud and arrogant. So God says, nah, I'm gonna leave, let you keep that thorn. It'll just be a reminder to you that you're a proud man and you need to be kept humble. Why do you have the thorn that you have? Anybody here have a thorn in their flesh? God won't take it away? No? Oh, the, the most humble church in Winnipeg. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, I don't want to go to the cross. Who wants to go and be, have their hands pierced, to be, be beaten and flogged and then hung naked on a cross? Jesus said, God, I don't want to do this. If it's possible, let this, let this cup pass for me. And God's like, okay. All right, not my will, but thine be done. And Jesus prays it longer, then he asks it again. Silence. All right, not my will, but thine be done. And then a third time, same thing. Three times Jesus asks, God, is it possible? Is there any other way to do this? Hey, what's the great lie that Satan has imposed on our culture? All roads lead to God. All religions, all faiths lead, lead to God. That's the biggest lie ever. Because if that's the case, then logic tells us that Jesus Christ died a painful, horrible, horrendous death for nothing. If anybody can get to heaven any old way, then why would Jesus die on a cross? Satan knows what he's doing. And if you're arrogant and conceited, and refuse to wrestle with God, refuse to ask God questions, then you're going to believe the lies that Satan feeds you. And by the way, every single lie I've ever heard Satan tell is a good one. Brilliant. It really appeals to my sin nature and yours. So here's the thing. Is it okay to be angry? Yes, it's okay to be angry. Can I just remind you why we're angry? We're angry because, well, we all know this. When you're angry, it's because you've lost control of your environment. 
You've lost control of the, of the circumstances around you. You've lost control of the people around you. Why do, why do mothers get angry at their kids? Because she's losing control. That's the, that's the natural reaction. Why does a man get angry when he's driving down the street? Because someone cut him off. He can't control that driver. He tries to by flipping him the bird, by honking, by spitting up, by trying to cut him off, but he cannot control that person in that car, and he's angry. And so it is with life. Life is not going the way I expected it to, so what do we do? We get angry at God. God, this isn't right. Now, the question is this. Can you go to God and be angry? And the answer, well, is... is, Well, yes, you can, but when you go to God, remember who God is. And this is exactly what we see with Habakkuk. He goes before God, he's angry at what's going on around him. But look how he he addresses God. Oh, Lord. What does that imply? He's up there and I'm down here. He's in charge, I take direction from him. My God, I'm not God. You're God. You're the all-powerful one. My holy one. My my rock, our rock. And I should also underline, you who are eternal. Go to God, but remember who you're talking to. Tell him what's on your mind. God, why am I in the mess that I'm in? Why am I the way I am? Why? Why? But remember who you're talking to. And as you're remembering who you're talking to, remember that because he's God, his ways are not our ways. He's not like a man. That's what it says in Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Understand when you're talking to the great God of the universe that he's not like men. He's not like humans. He's not fickle like humans. He's not dense and stupid like humans. I know some parents don't want their kids to use that word, and here I've just done that. <laughs> Sorry. Also remember this, God is good. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. When you go to this God, remember that he is the Holy One. He is good. He, by nature, cannot be not good. He cannot be unholy. He cannot be unrighteous. He cannot be bad or evil. So when you go to ask him your questions, make sure you remember, first of all, he's not like a man. Secondly, he's good. Here's the other thing you need to know, and Paul reminds us of this so Beautifully, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Remember that when you go to God. You, you're going to glorify him. You're going to serve him. He doesn't serve you. You serve him. And understand this, that God is our father. And Jesus reminds us of this. That's why Jesus tells us to pray. Our father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. What is, what is God my Father doing in my life right now? What's God our Father doing in your life right now? Hey, can I just show you this passage of Scripture, Romans 8, 28 to 29a. Hey, everybody knows Romans 8, 28, right? 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Stop. Because everybody listens to that and says, oh, good, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to work out in my favor. I'm going to get everything I want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to, to have whatever I want. Everything's going to work out just fine. What they don't know is they don't know what the good in verse 28 is. Do you know what the, verse, what the good in verse 28 is? All things work together for good. What is the good? Well, verse 29 tells us, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them what? To become like his son. If you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a struggle right now, while you're busy asking the questions, remember who God is. He's your father, and he is busy transforming you. In fact, in the Greek, it says that he chose him to be conformed to the image of his son. We're reminded of what it says in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter uh, one and two, that we were created in the image of God. God wants to bring us back to that place where we are conformed to the image of, of, of our God. And that's what God's doing in your life right now. You don't understand the hardship, the struggle, the problems, the questions. God's using all of these things even the questions that you have. He's using all these things to point you to Jesus. And God says, look, I can't answer some of your questions right now. You couldn't handle it. But here's what you can handle. Start following Jesus. Start obeying him. Start doing what he says. Hallelujah. This, my friends, is what it means to be a real Christian. Not a North American Christian, a real Christian. As long as you come here, you're going to hear the real gospel. Now, at a minimum, you need to know these things that I've just shared with you about God. You need to know that he is not like a man. He doesn't lie, doesn't change his mind. He's not fickle. That He's 100% dependable, 100% faithful. He's God. The second thing that you need to know is that God is good all the time. God cannot be not good. You need to know that God's chief purpose for every one of us is to bring glory to his name, and you need to know he's your father, and he's disciplining you, and he's shaping you, and he's conforming you to his, his son. Somebody say hallelujah. He's at work in us, making us like Christ. You may never get all the answers that you're looking for while you're living on this earth. And by the way, that's what faith is. Faith just says, God, I don't get it all but I get enough. Do you hear that? I don't get it all, but I get enough. I know enough to understand that God, you do all things well, and I can trust you even if I don't get all the answers. Here's what Paul reminds us of, and we'll close with this. Now we see things imperfectly. That's what this life is. We're not, we don't see it all like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with what? perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Hallelujah. So you don't understand something, don't panic, but encourage each other with the fact that God is a loving Father, and the great good that's going to happen in your life is that you become like Jesus. In fact, I will say this to you today right now, 
that you've been praying for answers to prayer and they're not coming, then you need to ask yourself the question, am I being conformed to the image of Christ? Am I becoming like Jesus? Because that might be the very thing that's holding you up right now. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the reminder from Habakkuk that you are working in us. You are transforming us. God, thank you that you have invited us into this relationship with you where we can speak frankly and honestly with you. God, you're not like Shakespeare's Shylock demanding your pound of flesh. But God, you are a loving father working in us, shaping us, molding us, telling us exactly what we need to know because you're good and you're righteous. So Father, conform us to the image of your son. And help us, Lord, to rest in the knowledge that even though I haven't got all the answers, you are still God. You're still in charge. You're still on the throne. And you do all things well. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person.